Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Well, hello there. Uh, it's another episode of Did You America? He's Jeremy, I'm Ian Camfield, and this is season two, episode... I think like 9,000? All right, let's get down to the first big news of the day. Jeremy just broke my toilet. No, I didn't break your toilet. Let's set the scene. We do this podcast from my uh, kitchen table, and uh, we've been doing it for, I don't know, is it six months now? Probably not quite that, maybe... I can't even count episodes. You think I'm counting days of how long we've been doing this? So you've been coming to my apartment, I don't know, probably for a good three, four months, uh, twice a week, doing the uh, podcast as we always do, and... um, it was notable uh, because it just occurred to me when you said uh, to me, where's my restroom, that therefore that meant in all of the time you've been coming here, you've never actually used the restroom until today. Yeah, I'm a very regular scheduled peer, so... You pee like a lot of people poo. There are some people yeah. that, that poo at specific times and can only do it in their own bathroom. I, I like my home base. Okay, so you have that regiment for peeing. Yes, very I, you, much so. You might be the first person I've ever met that is uh, territorial with their pee. Well, People not, that are territorial with their poo, I know lots of them. I'm not pee shy. It's just more like my body has been trained to like only need to go to the bathroom at certain times of the day. So right. like for some reason, like I've never really had to poo in public. My body just knows not to do Most that. Most people don't poo in public. You mean in other people? Right, other- I thought like, I've been never- like you're dropping your pants yeah. and you're just like <laughs> I, I told the- you before. <laughs> you asked why I never use bathroom. I said I'm an outdoor pisser. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, you do strike me as the kind of person that would be like, hang on, I need to pee, and then just goes find finds a bush or a, or a lamppost somewhere. And, you yeah, know. yeah, pretty much. So I figured, you know, the same thing kind of goes for pee. So I, I had to pee, though, when I came in, and I figured I'd use your restroom. All right, yeah. So he says, where's the restroom? And I said, oh, you've ne- just there. Okay. I said, it's funny that all these times you've been here, you've never used the restroom. So uh, 10 minutes later, we're about to start recording this episode, and I said, okay, let me go pee, because I pee all the time, because I drink loads of black coffee all day since I quit uh, drinking drink drink. So I go and I pee, and what do I find? My toilet won't flush. You piss once in my bathroom for the first time in four months. One pee, and I've got a broken toilet. See, now you know why I don't pee in people's bathrooms. To be honest... It's not the, um, the the most inconvenienced I've ever been by uh, a friend of mine using the bathroom. I uh, had a, a, I don't know whether this is a desert thing. This is from when I lived in Arizona, but I, I've no, I noticed from my apartment in Arizona and also anytime I've been in a Vegas hotel, they don't have the best plumbing. For example, if you were to, if you were to poo in that bathroom, you got to be very careful with the amount of toilet paper you use. And I don't mean the, 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 a certain amount, and it will block the toilet right. way more easily 
if you're in a desert than a toilet would be blocked anywhere else. And I'm not talking about shoving loads and loads of toilet paper down there. I'm, I'm talking about, this is probably too much information and anyone <laughs> needs to know, but I'll share it anyway. Canfield's bathroom habits. I, I, I am telling you that at any time I'm in a Vegas hotel room or certainly when I lived in Arizona, I, would, I, I, I wouldn't use an excessive amount of toilet paper, but I'm telling you, I would always flush at least twice just for the toilet paper because otherwise it, it, it could become backed up. There's right. something about, I think, the lack of water well, in the desert. Have you ever had one of those like energy saver toilets where you know it's supposed to be good for the environment, but in the end you have to flush like 20 times to get it down? No, I used to have one of those. Uh, my previous apartment had one of those showers. Right. Well, the way saying- you, you turn the shower on, then you have to pull a, a thing. Yeah. Right. Well, in Arizona or in any desert, you know, there's already water restrictions. Right. So I bet, like, their plumbing is just like, no, there's no pooing here. You take that business outside <laughs> like Jeremy does. <laughs> well, I had, I had a friend stay for a few days, and um, I went to work one day, and he was uh, flying back to Shittsville later on that day. So he was leaving the apartment after I did, and um, so I said goodbye to him. And then a few hours later, I'm at work on air, and then I get a text message from him saying, um, I'm really sorry about this, but I've blocked your toilet, and my cab is here, and I can't leave it waiting because I've, <laughs> I've got to get to the airport, you know, an yeah. 11-hour flight internationally from Arizona back to London. So I'm sorry you're going to have to come home to that. And I fucking put you up for a week in my spare room and now you that's your goodbye gift i hope you never talk to that friend again <laughs> he's been canceled you're gonna have to probably not be friends with me after this either because uh, the joke's on you i actually didn't break your toilet i gave you an upper decker <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's the first big news of the day jeremy pees for the first time in my apartment and breaks the bathroom um, You're welcome. Second big news of the day is the fact that uh, daylight savings time happened. I can't get over how much news coverage the clock change over the weekend gathered. It's an hour. Talking of people who fly internationally from the States back to the UK, there was one time when I was living in Shitsville, I was so desperate to spend any amount of time in America that I possibly could. I flew to Los Angeles for a weekend, right? I I, I was in Los Angeles on vacation. This is proof that in, in the UK, people get way too much vacation. Imagine ever doing this in, 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 in the US where you have to have a work ethic. So I'd taken two weeks of vacation, which wasn't my annual allowance. That was just two weeks out of all of the weeks that I got. They were just like, got. yeah, go off. We that don't was, care. That's just, well, yeah, in the UK, that would be like a regular summer vacation, which is in addition wow. to the holidays at Christmas and, yeah. you know, whatever else. So I This t- was just like, because it was March. Uh, probably August or September. Oh. Okay. But yeah, pretty much. So I'd just done two weeks off from my from my Shitsville radio gig, right? And um, I was in Los Angeles, and you know, this is when I was desperate to live in in America, and I hated being in the UK. And uh, I had the best two weeks, and right towards the end of these two weeks, some people that I knew in the states were doing this uh, event with some bands that I knew, and they needed a host. But it was um, a week later a week after I would have left. And they said, oh, it's a shame that you're not here because if you were here, you could have hosted this event. And I went, you know what? I'm coming back. And (laughs) and they go, well, you've only just been here. And I went, I don't care. I'm coming back. So I tell the radio station that I'm working for in the UK, um, I know I've just had two weeks off. 
and I'm going to be back for less than a week, but I need to take a long weekend, the weekend after the weekend I get back because I'm going back to LA. So were they not just like, just stay the month? They were not quite that lapse with, um, with time off. But the point is, I was in LA for two weeks and then I flew back for a week. And then after that, I decided that I had to go back to host this event just because I wanted more time in America. So I left London on a Friday and uh, flew to Los Angeles. And then I left Los Angeles on the Monday and flew back to London. So that is less than 72 hours on the ground in Los Angeles after having only been there two weeks before. And if you want to factor in like jet lag and all that kind of stuff, you're talking an 11-hour flight one way, an 11-hour flight the other way, plus an eight-hour time difference. And I was a little tired when I got back to Shitsville afterwards. I'm tired just hearing about it. (laughs) But overall, I was absolutely fine. This past weekend... All I'm hearing on the news, and literally every news network I went to, don't forget to set your clocks forward an hour tonight. Daylight saving times begin. Here's the 60 seconds on why people are fed up with setting that resetting their clocks, which I get. Now, here's a health expert on how to deal with the hour that you lost. I'm like, are you people out of your mind? It's one hour that you're losing of sleep. And I'm watching news networks doing so-called... Um, sensible serious news coverage where they're talking to, to to health health experts who are saying okay well the best thing is is to not eat too late and make sure you get to bed early because you're gonna do that i'm like has covid gone away have you stopped talking about right. covid now the big news is we're losing an hour of sleep so are you ready for me to embarrass myself I, more uh, than the fact you, the first oh, yeah. time you used my toilet you've yeah, broken yeah. it this is more embarrassing so you know obviously daylight savings this year fell on uh saint patty's day weekend and i'm sure most people were probably worried about oh no like we're not gonna have enough time to party because we're losing an hour well you know i went out saturday night i had quite a bit to drink sunday was rough like all-timer I had donuts. I never left the couch with those donuts. That was all three meals of the day. Can I ask, are you such a partying pro that you got the donuts in in advance just in case so that when you came back and crashed, they were just at arm's length so you could literally go, oh, oh. I wish I was that smart, but because I was a smart person the night before and I left my car at a friend's house, I woke up early in the morning Ubered to go pick up my car so I'd have it for the day just in case. And then on the way back, got my donuts. But again, wasn't really thinking anything but donuts and napping for all of Sunday. Yeah. And then, you know, I woke up for work this morning, had a completely normal day. And as I was driving here after work, I looked at my clock in my car and I realized it was an hour behind. And that is when I realized that daylight savings happened this weekend. You didn't realize until the Monday. Until an hour ago. <laughs> one hour ago. It's 1.10 right now when we're recording this on Monday, March 15th. <laughs> I figured that out at 12 o'clock on Monday, March 15th. <laughs> I don't want to say that's like a clear sign that I might have a problem, but if this was my intervention that that'd be a good starting point you know (laughs) 
Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I am on the side of the people who question why we have to change the clocks because Arizona, they, they don't change their clocks at all. No, uh, that was th- the best part about living there. I think I'm right in saying Hawaii don't change their clocks either. I think that's the other territory that, that keep the, t- the time the, the same. The only reason I know Arizona is because I lived there. So I don't know anywhere else that does it, but everywhere that does it is the smartest place on earth. Yeah. It I, was something I always used to brag about for people that were still living here. It's like, hmm, yeah, you may be in Texas, the greatest place on earth, but we don't have to change our clocks twice a year. Hmm. That is true. As much as I am a fan of the great state of Texas, I remember running into some girls in a bar once when I was living in Arizona and, I, and I'd recently moved there. And um, I, I I was just loving it because, you know, I'd been living in Shitsville and I hated it. And you go to Arizona and it's sunny all the time and everything's really new and, uh, you know, it all works properly. And I remember saying to these girls, I, I, it's just great here because uh, I said, you know, because everything's so modern, everything's just so convenient in Arizona as long as you don't mind the heat. And one of their responses, which I thought was the greatest thing, she goes, Arizona's so convenient, you don't even have to change your clocks. <laughs> what a slogan. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, and, and, you know, you might say that's its selling point. <laughs> That's what it says at the airport when you right. come into Sky Harbor at Phoenix. That slash, it's a dry heat. <laughs> right. Which always comes with that picture of a skeleton yeah. in the heat. <laughs> but, you know, as much as I am a fan of the great state of Texas, um, this could be one area where Texas could catch up. Because with Texas, you could have all of those lists of things that make it absolutely amazing. And it, I don't think it would do Texas any harm to add on to it. And you don't have to change your clock, right? I mean, not just Texas, the whole, you know, 40-whatever other states. Like, that's the one thing you always hear everyone agree on. Mm. No one likes daylight savings times. It's the it's the one thing that you would think they would immediately change to make everyone happy. Yeah, yeah. When I remember going on uh, day trips when I was a little kid with my uh, with my granddad, and he always used to moan about the, the, the clocks changing. And when we would go to sort of the countryside in the UK, you'd always drive, the, you know, the, the freeway would go past fields, big farmers' spaces with right. lots of cows and stuff like that. And it didn't need to be anywhere near the time of the year when you change your clocks, right? But we'd drive past like a massive open field and there'd be cows mooing and stuff like that. And my granddad would always look at it and go, it's a farmer's field that, you know, it's only because of them that we have to change their clocks. (laughs) Blame the farmers. And he always goes, I mean, have you ever seen any of them out there doing any work? It's just bloody animals, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> we change our clocks so they never do any work i you know i actually don't believe that i think like that's they've pinned it on the farmers but the farmers i think even in 2021 are like don't put that on us we don't like changing the clocks either mm, mm. we'll get a little bit extra sunlight it doesn't even make sense mathematically i'm surprised that texas just for the sake of being texas has an a become one of the places that doesn't change its clocks because that's seen as uh, a, a positive generally. But B, while doing it, hasn't invented its own time zone. Yeah. You know, like we're, we've got our own electrical grid, which worked out brilliantly about a month ago. Never had a mistake ever. And uh, every so often, the campaign for Texas to secede from the country, you know, arises. We I haven't ha- done that yet? <laughs> well, no, because I've still seen T-shirts for sale that say on them, American until Texas secedes. Huh. That's how I know <laughs> that Texas hasn't seceded right. yet. But bearing in mind that there is this kind of uh, Texan spirit, shall we say, about the place. 
I think maybe maybe this is something we can propose and use our cosmic powers to to, to make happen. Texas uh, starts not change. We do one more clock change in Texas, and then we don't change our clocks, but we invent our own time zone because Texas time. yeah, Texas time. Because the fact that there are other places that aren't Texas that are on the same time zone seems very un-Texan to me. I'm gonna one up that idea. Now I don't want to hear anything from no scientists out there. I say we add an extra hour to the day. <laughs> 25 hours. What's that going to affect? Nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that might, well, I did, uh, um, I don't know how that would work out with dealing with the rest I told of- you I don't want to hear no science about it. <laughs> All right. This is our billion-dollar idea for today's podcast episode. Texas time is going to be its own time zone. Yeah. I don't know where we would have to go to make sure that we weren't the same time as anywhere else. That would that also no, might no, be no, complicated. No. This is Texas. We make them change their time. Right, okay, fine. Uh, moving on to the next segment, Jeremy will now review the Grammys. Oh, you always do that to me. I'm not prepared. <laughs> so uh, they happened last night. I um, This is one of the good things about not having a real job on the radio at the moment because I know that if I was doing a show on, on radio the Monday after the Grammys and my opening to the segment about the Grammys was, well, I didn't watch it because I assumed <laughs> it would be a load of crap. I would be seeing with some idiot consultant who would then give me a load of reasons as to why it was irresponsible of me hosting any kind of, uh, you know, current affairs, pop culture type thing to have not watched the Grammys. My comeback to which would be, well, I can just check out the highlights the next day and read the reviews and basically go, hmm, don't think I know any of those songs and only like three of those artists, which is why I'm now deferring to Jeremy who will do a review. Well... Luckily, I watched it, so you didn't have to, and I am proud to announce it only took a year, but we have finally figured out how to make a COVID-friendly award show happen entertainingly. Really? Because I saw some people bitching about the fact that everyone was wearing masks sitting at their tables, but then when they won, they would take off their mask and start hugging people. Yeah, but every single one of them had a designer mask on that perfectly matched their outfit oh it was was done so perfectly you know everyone was spread out there weren't a ton of people they jam-packed it with performances that weren't done remotely but some were done remotely but they didn't tell you that until trevor noah came in to be like those were done remotely right okay it was overall i thought a really entertaining show given what every award show normally is you know trevor noah he was the host I thought he did a really good job. He was very active. He was doing walk and talks all throughout the show. And then like after every single performance, he would come on and be the hype man. It would be like, oh my God, that was the greatest performance ever. Did you see that? Probably and- probably more potential to walk and talk with it, you know, not having the huge audience there. So basically you're right. saying that doing a uh, COVID has been good for the Grammys. Best Grammys ever Best with Grammys coronavirus. Ever, yeah. <laughs> they kicked it off right off the back. They're like, we're going to give you all the good performances so you don't have to care about the pop performances that are going to happen every year anyways. You know, they came out, they gave gave us black pumas they gave us is it is it Haim? is it heim it's heim yeah. i know it's not ham because those girls are jewish and that would not be kosher <laughs> okay um they also you know uh kicking off the show was harry styles and billy eilish i want to hate harry styles and billy eilish but every time i see them perform i'm just like damn 
They're really good at what they do. Yeah, that was a good... Uh, I, I did see the, the two highlights. See, this is why you don't need to watch it live. I watched those on uh, on Instagram earlier on, those those performances. Yeah. No, they were definitely Everyone good. was miming, though, right? Is anyone bitching about that? There was no way that either of those show, those performances were live. Oh, do, I don't know, because I can't remember ever watching the Grammys in any, in any great detail. Is it just par for the course that people mime? I think basically like any live show, especially, you know, ones where later on in the show where they're doing a lot more dancing i think everyone just assumes at this point like yeah we just want to hear a cool sounding does, does, show. does billy eilish have to mime because it's very dis- difficult to get that whisper right in the mix if you're going to do it live yeah but you also it was really cool watching herself put her in that box you know that was really impressive mm. Um, so the rock fans were moaning about the fact that Eddie Van Halen didn't get enough of a tribute. Yeah, I thought the In Memoriam was definitely really good. You know, they they made sure that they didn't miss anybody. But of course, you know, they still did. I saw online uh, people were upset about the girl from Glee that died. I guess because if you sing in shows, you should be awarded at the Grammys. Oh, okay. And then someone named King Vaughn. I don't know who that is. Right. And then, of course, Phil Spector. No mention of Phil Spector. <laughs> that was a big loss. But I did. Th- I liked the. I did like the live performances during the middle of the in memoriam. So they did Lionel Richie. Uh, my he's sp- not. He's, he's dead. Not Lionel Richie. I'm sorry. They did Little Richard. Wow. Hang on. We might have just killed Lionel Richie. Well, you he, know our track record in this podcast. He performed. If Lionel Richie dies this week, it's on you. That's my bad, Lionel. <laughs> he did perform in the in memoriam. He did a tribute to his good old pal Kenny Rogers, and this one shows you Lionel Richie is a pro. Right as the song is closing, he looked real emo- emotional and looked at the camera and said, I miss you, man. Oh, he knew what he was doing. And then he held it and then he looked up to make sure the camera wasn't on him. He looked back down because he realized the camera was on him. And then finally it faded away. Nice. So so, uh, Kenny Rogers and Little Richard got appropriate tributes. But the the rock fans are bitching about the fact that Eddie Van Halen had like 10 seconds. Right. So right after Little Richard, which was an awesome tribute, they went to they panned to Eddie Van Halen's guitar standing on a, a sitting on a stand. And they played his eruption solo and it made it seem like, you know, okay, here comes the next big tribute. Who, what guitarist are they going to bring out? John Mayer, maybe? He's in the building. And then they just moved on to the next part of the In Memoriam. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yeah, right, so, right. I mean, like, I get it. Like, Little Richard Huge, they did uh, a songwriter as well. And then I believe a country, or Kenny Rogers, and mm. then a, a songwriter. And then, I don't know, I felt like Eddie Van Halen was kind of the number one name. Yeah, well, there is this thing about the people that run the Grammys hating rock. That ever since that year, that there's that that famous story about there was a year for the best metal performance and Metallica were nominated, and somehow Jethro Tull were in the same category, right. and Jethro Tull won best metal performance over Metallica. Jethro Tull, by the way, big uh, originally from the '60s band with a guy who looks like a hippie with a lot of hair who stands on one leg. Playing Playing a flute. Yeah. So they went for flute in metal over Metallica's metal. And 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 that sort of set a precedent that since then I think every year rock fans have been really down on the Grammys because it's like they 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 hate rock. You give Jethro Tull a metal award over Metallica and you give Eddie Van Halen 10, 15 seconds in memoriam. I'll say this about Ian Anderson though. If he put on like a hundred pounds, that's another celebrity I look like. You do Yeah. I got it. Could you stand on one leg like Ian Anderson? I play I- the flute. I definitely can't stand on one leg, though. <laughs> oh, 
Um, <laughs> other quick points about the Grammy. So one area you would definitely like not, and uh, I mean, obviously the show is more about the performances and the acceptance speeches. Mm. Not a lot of political messages, which was a nice change of pace. From Trevor Noah? I can't yeah. believe well, it. Didn't, you know, he didn't have to give any uh, acceptance speeches, but usually you, know, you hear him droning on about that. But, like, no, a lot of the people were just excited to get the award, which was definitely a cool change of pace. You okay. know, obviously, there were political messages throughout the show. It wouldn't be an award show without them. But... Well, I, so the other thing that I noted as well, and again, um, you know, didn't have to watch the Grammys to find that this was the most intriguing, entertaining part of it um there was a, a guy who won an award uh before the t- actually this actually was before the televised portion of the grammys so again didn't have to watch it because the most intriguing entertaining bit wasn't even on the tv and um it, i guess it was someone who was winning an award that no one had heard of which is why he wasn't part of the the, the televised version um but he was thanking some industry people i've no idea who these people are um, but he, he meant to thank Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman. But this guy in his thank you speech mixed up the names and accidentally thanked Rob Friedman and, wait for it, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh no! What does he have to do with the music industry? Well, I think, Jeremy, what that shows you is that any time you get a gathering of famous, rich celebrities. Jeffrey Epstein is so on their minds still because (laughs) they're thinking, oh my God, any day now, I could be a new name added to the Jizzfest lineup (laughs) that that is just, it just comes out. Remember, as we've said on this podcast before, um, Ghislaine Maxwell is ready to name names to try and do some sort of deal. And there were so many famous, powerful people flying on the Lolita Express into Pedophile Island to hang out with her and Jeffrey Epstein. That list of names is going to read like a festival bill. Hence, we call it Jizzfest. Of course. And so I don't know who this guy was that uh, was there and was probably... You know what he was doing? He's looking, at, he's looking at the audience and he's going, okay, I saw you on the island with Jeffrey Epstein and I saw you on the island with Jeffrey Epstein. And, 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 uh, and uh, I mean, he might as well have got up there and gone, welcome to Jizzfest! This is the biggest A-list name list of celebrities of a festival ever, ever, ever. That's my explanation as to how Jeffrey Epstein, it seems, involuntarily tripped off the tongue right even from hell jeffrey epstein is still pulling strings you know (laughs) still scaring people because the only celebrity that Ghislaine has said is safe who she won't be naming and shaming is prince andrew all the rest of them held to account now i have two final points about the grammys one i'm gonna go back to the band heim i was very impressed by them other than the fact that they're three jewish girls and I could make comments about their way too intense funk slash rock faces while performing. I could point to how impressed I was when two of the girls changed positions mid-song. But instead, what do you mean changed positions? So one of them was on drums and had a guitar oh, strapped to her back. Oh. And then in the middle, she got up, started singing and playing guitar. And the one who was playing guitar then went and started playing drums. Oh, nice. It was very cool and very impressive. But I did notice one of the sisters who's playing bass... And isn't playing bass a lot and is clearly the least musical of the three and how hard her life must be being the Heim sister that clearly isn't as good as the other two Heim sisters. But she makes up for it because she, A, is 
the hottest of the three sisters, so good on her for that, but was making the craziest funk faces I have ever seen during a musical performance in my life, and I was all about it. That alone sold me on their on them as a band. Are you telling me that you're now more into Haim than Hanson? Yeah, I'm definitely more into Haim than Hanson. It's not just the Jewish factor, but if they did call themselves Ham, I'd be really into it. <laughs> my other point is, you know, we do... Hamson are a Hanson tribute yeah. band. <laughs> I would... Mbop <laughs> would be so much better. It's, in... like a, it's like a bunch of kids, the early version of Hanson, but they play Haim songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does that work? I don't know. I love it. <laughs> Final point. We do song of the week on this podcast every week. It's, it's, we're about to get to that, yes. Week by week, I lose. Um, there was one week I think I won, and that was solely because the Goody Mob fans got behind it. And to tell you the truth, I didn't even really like that song that much. <laughs> but there are a few songs that I've gotten behind, and I was like, these are great choices, and the audience is going to listen to them. They're going to love it. And then I got no votes on them. And two of those songs were performed live at the Grammys last night, proving that I know more than all of you, and you need to listen to my songs, and you need to select them and make me the winner week after week. As we've discussed, when it comes to the Grammys being a barometer of what's good or bad, they gave the Metal Award to Jethro Tull when Ex it could have gone to Metallica. Excuse me, sir, but do not hate on Brittany Howard who was my song of the week choice and did not win, or Silk Sonic, the new Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack group, which their live performance of my song that I chose for last week went over very well, and their Little Richard tribute. All right, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do song of the week uh, coming up in part two, so stand by for that. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the, uh, the podcast or uh, indeed vote for song of the week, didyouamerica.com is our page for all stuff relating to this podcast. You can hear old episodes you can buy t-shirts you can send us messages uh, which we do love to receive didyouamerica.com is where you can go for all of that uh, we're about to do uh, part two uh, in the meantime I'm gonna pee so there'll be a bathroom update as to the state of my toilet let's hope it doesn't explode and uh, Jeremy will uh, spend the intermission standing on one leg playing a flute all right let's do part two of did you america uh, song of the week. Last week, Jeremy chose Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. 20% of the vote. I'm rising. That's true, actually. Just wait. Eventually, I'm going to get a win. Yeah. Definitely yelling at the audience in part one helped. <laughs> oh, by the way, my toilet's still working okay. Ah. Yeah? Now the upper decker hasn't hit yet, I guess. I'm, I, actually, I, on that note, I was uh, as I was peeing in. There's a lot of toilet talk in today's yeah, episode. I, I like it. I, uh, I, I, I did. It occurred to me. First time you use my bathroom, and you you have not commented on the fact that I have a God Bless America bath mat in there. I didn't even notice. Oh, for God's sake! I try and get patriotism in literally every every uh, room in the apartment, and you've not even noticed. No, I mean I'm honestly offended myself. I should leave. Podcast over. <laughs> I deliberately I've got a plain bath mat in the other bathroom and I've got a God bless America bath mat that I put in the in the in the guest bathroom so guests go you've got a God bless America bath mat in the bathroom and you didn't even notice it look man when you live America as hard as I do you just expect that stuff to be around you I notice when it's not there <laughs> all right uh, so Jeremy's choice 20 percent uh, New York producer went for spinning by no Rome Ro no no Rome with Charlie XCX in the 1975 also on 20 percent 
Uh, St. Vincent wins this week with Pay Your Way in Pain, getting 60% of the vote. Let's do a reset. These are the three new songs up for Song of the Week. As usual, you can vote on the website, didyouamerica.com, or we will have a poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Canfield on Twitter. I am going with Long Live Rock, the new one by Hailstorm. I am going with Vaporwaves by Ace Hashimoto and Thundercat. Thundercat, fresh off a Grammy. Okay. And uh, New York producer going with Deadline by Group Love. So let us know which song you prefer. You can vote throughout the week. We'll announce the winner again at the start of next week. Long Live Rock by Hellstorm, Vaporwaves by Ace Hashimoto and Thundercat, or Deadline by Group Love. Didyouamerica.com or go to the poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Canfield on Twitter. And don't forget, if you, uh, if you do go to the website, check out any old episodes, buy a T-shirt if you feel inclined, uh, leave us a message. If you want to communicate with the show, uh, you can do all of that on our website, didyouamerica.com. Um, hey, you know, um, we talk about the cosmic powers that uh, this podcast uh, has. We talk about uh, things and then uh, stuff happens. Right. Sometimes good things, sometimes you kill people. Uh, yeah, I think this is definitely a good thing. Nice. There are now Iron, Ma uh, Iron Maiden scented candles available in Naples, Florida. Whoa. I'm taking the full credit. What does that smell like? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the scent of Iron Maiden? Is it you or is it like rock sweat? I don't know. I mean, if you like Iron Maiden's mascot is Eddie, the thing, the, the monster right. that appears on Which the cover, does not smell good. I mean, I'm wondering, you know, Eddie is on the cover of every official Iron Maiden release, so we're talking nearly 20 albums. I don't know how many singles and live albums and compilations. That's a lot of Eddie. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm willing to bet that if you were to pick any of those pieces of artwork and said, would you buy a candle that smells of this? The answer would probably be no. In defense of that, I do know a guy named Eddie, and he smells delightful. So, uh, yeah, I think we did make it happen because, well, for, uh, first of all, a friend of mine sent me the photo with, with no explanation. But you can imagine, I mean, uh, t what are two of my greatest loves? Iron Maiden and Scented Candles. Right. I mean, they are two things it, that I very much adore. It does not get better than that. So I get this uh, photo, first of all, and I literally leapt off of my sofa going, oh, my God, Bath and Body Works just, just got even better. And then I realized it wasn't Bath and Body Works because for some reason, and I made in scented candle, maybe they think doesn't sit alongside Black Cherry Merlot or Bergamot Walters. <laughs> so um, what is Bergamot Walters? I've got one. Do you want to smell it? I'll let you smell it We're afterwards. Have to smell okay, after, it's, yeah. it's it's my it's my it's probably my favorite Bath and Body Works scent. I'm very excited. Bergamot Waters. On. Iron Maiden's about to replace that. Well, yes. So Iron Maiden scented candles. So so it turns out that they're not available in uh, Bath and Body Works yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, my buddy and I had no idea was on vacation in uh, Naples, Florida, and I guess you know was wandering around some of the local stores there and uh, found a. a, a candle that's uh, that, that's got Iron Maiden on it. Now, I think w w the reason why we can claim that these, these are our cosmic powers is because Naples uh, has a, a, a place in my heart and it's associated with Iron Maiden because the story that we've mentioned on this podcast before about the only week, the only time that I've ever spent in Florida was when I flew into uh, Tampa for the majority of that time. 
um, during which time I tried to get someone at iHeartMedia to hire me. Didn't work. Um, <laughs> but I also went to two Iron Maiden shows, hung out with Iron Maiden, went to the Charlie Sheen Meltdown show because that was at the arena the night after Iron Maiden played. Had a lovely time in Tampa, which I decided was the Florida of Florida. Of course. But, but what I haven't mentioned when I've told that story before is that I had a, a friend who had a house in Naples, and he invited me to go stay with him for a couple of days towards the end of my week um, in the state of Florida. Uh, and so, I, you know, I went down to Naples, and it was fun. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't mentioned Naples because there's no great story to that. My mate's got a nice house. It was by the beach. Naples is possibly the cleanest, nicest-looking beach I've ever seen. Right. I mean, I mean, it literally the, the 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 water is lovely. It, it's it's just beautiful, but it's a very well-to-do, rich part of the world. You know, my buddy who's got the the holiday home there is um is a a, a big uh, businessman. So. Naples is part of that one week of my life that I spent in Florida, very much attached with Iron Maiden. I mean, I'd, I'd like to remind you, this is the this is the trip that when I arrived at Iron Maiden's hotel, their tour manager came out to meet me with a piece of paper, and he said to me, "Ian, I heard you were joining us." here's your itinerary for the next two days because oh. I was traveling with the band and it was like I was in Iron Maiden for two days. It had, On this itinerary, it had what time we leave the hotel, what time we have to get to the venue and it said things and, and they got different vehicles to take the band members from the from the hotel to the, to, to, to the venue right. and on one of the bits of the itinerary, it said... Um, Ian to ride with Bruce. That's Dickinson, by the ah, way. Yeah. So you think that getting the itinerary is better than getting to jam out with your new best friend, Lady Gaga, that night? That's the best part of the weekend. See, I'm so caught up with the Iron Maiden candle, I forgot that that also happened. Yeah, so while I went for two days, it was like I was in Iron Maiden. I had my own tour itinerary, right, to make sure that I got to the bus on time. And part of the getting to the bus on time was, of course, after the gig, which is why I was side of stage at the end of the gig, because we had to get in the cars to have a police escort, everybody. Wow. Out of the venue, back to the hotel. And that was when uh, Lady Gaga... It was the best week in the history of all time to be in Tampa. Tampa's never been that exciting since. I know they won the Super Bowl, but I'm telling you, the one week that I was in Tampa on the side of the stage with Lady Gaga, kind of like a member of Iron Maiden, and watching Charlie Sheen's Meltdown show, that was the best week in Tampa ever. Okay, so let's back up some. So Just this friend that sent you the candle, is he aware of this weekend? Does he know that, like, your life changed in Naples that weekend? Um, I'm sure he must know the story of my week in Tampa because I've bored people with it so many times. I mean, the amount of times the word these words have left my mouth. Have I told you about the time I was almost in Iron Maiden? I personally have heard the story, like, 12 times. <laughs> right, you've only known me for a year. Right. I... I've, so, okay, he at least knows that you're a huge fan of Iron Maiden. Right, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Was the picture of the candle followed by a confirmation text saying that he bought that candle for you? No, actually, and I do have an axe to grind with this because, so I, I didn't know where he got it from. He could have just seen it online for all I knew, but no, you do raise a very good point. He is a friend of mine who uh, found a, an Iron Maiden scented candle in a store in Naples, took the time to take a picture of it, but did not purchase it because you, I mean, a proper friend would have sent me a candle. Yes, yeah, so right? you're not friends with him anymore, right? I do think I need to dump him because I, I, I since um, 
put a picture of that candle on social media. It, it's garnered so much attention that someone I know who works on the radio in the UK sent me a tweet over the weekend saying that she'd mentioned that the Iron Maiden scented <laughs> candle was for sale in Naples, Florida. And a bit like we're doing on this podcast right now, over in Shitsville, on her radio show, they had a debate on social media about what an Iron Maiden candle should smell like, right? So my buddy taking this one picture of the candle has, has, has sparked off all of this intrigue. But to the extent that now... I am talking with two separate friends and also a friend here in the great state of Texas who has another friend in Naples, right, who, who I don't know. And basically, it's like a treasure hunt situation now. I've got three separate groups of people <laughs> in Naples who don't know one another all hunting for this. There's some serious bounty on this Iron Maiden candle is this, what I'm saying. This is like the amazing race. This is the race to see who is Camfield's best friend. It literally is. And the fact is that I'm doing it through friends of a friend. Like, for example, the um, one of the one of the people who, who is now like a bounty hunter for this Iron Maiden scented <laughs> candle apparently is it, it's it's someone who owns an ice cream parlor in Naples, Florida. Like, because... I've gone back and forth on social media over the weekend about it so much. I've had people like friends from the UK go, oh, I've got a friend who owns an ice cream place in Naples. I'll get them on it. Like It's like I've sent out a missing persons thing. You know, like, can you find right. this person? But in this case, it's, can you find this candle? And so every, because, because you know, it's Iron Maiden and scented candles, two of my most favorite things oh, in the yeah. world ever. I have basically said, like, don't just get one. I need all of them. Like, <laughs> I need a minimum of three. There can't be too much Iron Maiden in my apartment. I obviously need one candle to burn it because we do need to know what it smells of. of. But I need another two that can't be touched that just need to be put on shelves and admired. You need to get it set up so like on all the milk cartons in Florida, it's like, have you seen this candle? Right. Well, I mean, as far as I know, Naples isn't um, that much of a huge place. I remember it being quite a small, well-to-do town. There can't be that many places that sell scented candles in, in Naples. Honestly, I think I have to leave because I want to join the race of Canfield's best friend to get this candle. I would be disappointed if at this point, but based on the fact that the population of Naples is not that huge, that this is not the talk of the town. This should be a story on at least page three of whatever their local newspaper is. Has anyone seen this candle? British guy in Texas wants three. This is a super random tangent on Naples, but like when you see Naples spelt, it, it looks like really classy. You know, it looks like almost something that'd be in Italy, but hearing it... But it is in Italy. There is a Naples in Italy. Exactly. But hearing it over and over again in this segment, all I could think of is it sounds like a redneck saying Nipples. Naples. Mm. that's all i can think of all this whole segment so that's like the florida less classy version the way they step it up though iron maiden candles iron maiden scented candles i so i mean watch this space it will be announced on this podcast so i can't believe that i'm not going to receive at least one because i feel like i've got at least a third of the population of naples looking <laughs> out for these scented candles like whoever runs this little store that sells clearly homemade scented candles they're gonna they're, they're never gonna have done business like this hopefully the original friend hears this podcast and is like oh my god i have to buy him that candle no, or well, the, 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 well the thing with him was was he was on vacation in naples so it's too late now he's left i he, mean i did send a reply going you saw this on vacation and didn't buy it for me there's such thing as planes he can go back 
I thought we were going to be done with uh, discussing uh, Meghan Markle on this uh, podcast, but I, I do have to throw in uh, something else here. So the latest controversy is on the talk because um, Sharon Osbourne apparently defended Piers Morgan last week and then she got into uh, a massive argument with uh, Cheryl Underwood on uh, this particular episode of the talk uh, because uh, Cheryl Underwood said that Sharon Osbourne was defending racism because Cheryl Underwood thought that Piers Morgan was racist because of what he said about Meghan Markle and blah, 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 blah. I didn't see any of that on the talk. I believe there's a big argument that happened, so I don't know, like, who's right or wrong. I do know that the talk is now going on hiatus. What? But, yeah, the, the headline was talk going on hiatus due to Piers Morgan chaos. Piers Morgan, you've caused so much chaos, the talk is having to take two days off. Now, if I wonder, is this... Is this like the woke brigade just going crazy now that all execs are so scared of everything that even on a show where it seems to me the whole point is to talk about stuff, therefore dealing with potentially contentious issues, that it's got so contentious that we need to take two days off? Or is it just a ratings ploy because because this is such a, an issue now they're thinking, well, okay... How do we get above all of the Piers Morgan, Meghan Markle headlines by doing content on Piers Morgan and Meghan Markle? We have to take two days off. That'll get us in the news. Oh, I have a completely different opinion on this. I think that they're going on delay because they're trying to embrace this whole Piers Morgan and Meghan Markle thing. Now, Piers Morgan got so upset that someone attacked him on his show that he quit his show. Good morning, Britain. Good yeah, morning, Britain. yeah, yeah. So... He's now looking for a job. What if he comes over is now one of the new hosts of the talk? Well, it is interesting you say that because something that no one's mentioned and that they wouldn't know in the States, uh, but I believe this is the inside track. There are two new uh, news networks about to launch in the UK at some point this year. Uh, Rupert Murdoch's behind one. I don't know who's behind the other, but they're they're big uh, forthcoming networks with a lot of money behind them, and they've been chasing some big name presenters because obviously they want names to you know market right. themselves around the launch. Now I don't know for a fact, but I would be very very surprised if one or if not both of those new news networks haven't been sniffing around Piers Morgan but he wouldn't have been able to accept that job because he was locked into a contract for the TV show that he's currently doing so as much as uh, he's saying that he was cancelled and he stands by what he said and so on and so forth, I think you'll find, Piers Morgan haters, that he's very soon to be the real winner from this situation because not only did he get more promotion than money can buy, he's also managed to get himself fired, walked out of whatever you want to call it, from a job that I actually think he wanted to get fired from because now he can take even more money from one of the two news networks that are about to launch in the UK. If the man is about to claim he got canceled for promotional purposes, he is the biggest genius on earth. He did not get canceled. He quit the show. He walked out himself. He literally got mad at someone having a different opinion than him and said, that's it. I'm leaving. You're right. 
he had a discussion with one of these new networks, news networks, like the day before. And all of a sudden, he was like, "You know what? I'm going to go up against Meghan Markle." Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think he's. Uh, I think it, it, and we'll see how it plays out. But I bet that is how it plays out. I bet in the next month or two, he gets announced as one of the big new hosts of one of these new networks. Anyway, this is not what I wanted to discuss because this there is a new level to this scandal that no one's talking about. Right? I don't know whether Sharon Osbourne was right or wrong. In what she said, I think Piers Morgan is valid to have an opinion whether you agree or disagree on it. And I, as, as I've said on this show before, um, I kind of have no sympathy with Meghan Markle or the royal family for reasons that you can hear on previous episodes. But this, this is the new scandal that no one's talking about. A new episode of Magnum got cancelled last Friday because CBS elected to rerun the Harry and Meghan interview why is no one talking about the fact that magnum was cancelled that is a direct attack on you i mean what the fuck i might actually start siding with the queen now as i said (laughs) previously i wasn't on either side i i I think i can justifiably berate either side and even though i think Meghan markle was totally yokoing the situation and knew what she was doing the royal family so messed up and needs sorting out it was like they were fair game But the Queen didn't cancel the new episode of Magnum, did she? And all of this cancel culture, right? Why am I not seeing hashtag cancel culture next to hashtag Magnum? So before this podcast, you know, we were talking, having a little TV discussion. You mentioned how your new YouTube TV, it's like it knows you. You think of a show and there it is appearing on screen. But I think this is your YouTube TV trying to attack you. They're like, oh, you think we're so great, huh? You hate England and love 80s television? Boom, flipped. You have to watch English television instead of 80s television. Well, no, well, technically, this is new Magnum. You know, Magnum's been rebooted. Oh. Uh, no, I know. If it was a rerun, well, there goes my I, w- theory. I wouldn't have been so. I, I wouldn't have been so upset. But again, CBS. Your market is reboots, not reruns. Hawaii Five O, MacGyver, Magnum, something else like a car, the Equalizer, all CBS, <laughs> I was right? Say the best show ever, right? Of course, all CBS. You do reboots, not reruns. What could possibly anyone have wanted to see from that interview for a second time when it's all available online? Whether you want to watch the original or you just want to dissect people's opinions of it from social media posts or articles that have been written, and you could argue with me that even though it was a brand new episode of Magnum, it would have been exactly the same as the previous week's episode, and that might be a valid point, but that is not the point. Magnum got cancelled, and no one's talking about it. I gotta say, man, this is a real weird way to, like, turn your opinions around and start supporting the Queen so you can get back into England one day. (laughs) Like, I don't think she's gonna be as, like, responsive to... Magnum getting cancelled. I don't know. Maybe she's a huge fan. I don't know. Look, everyone has their tipping point. And I thought some people, some people would have you believe that sometimes I have controversial, uh, some might say slightly, slightly conservative opinions on certain things. Right. And I thought I was doing a fine job of driving straight down the middle of the road in this royal family versus Harry and Meghan debacle in the fact that I quite like criticizing both of them equally. And then they brought Magnum into it. That's the tipping point for sure. Talk about pushing me over the edge. And by the way, Meghan Markle would love to be in an episode of Magnum. (laughs) You know she's waiting for the phone to call. In fact, she's such big business now. If they called, she'd probably go, hmm, 
If you make it a magnum Hawaii, uh, the Hawaii Five O's been is finished now. If you make it a magnum equalizer MacGyver crossover, so I can be in all three, then we're talking. I'm starting to think that maybe she only married Harry because that show wasn't calling. She was like, eh, suits, whatever. But if it's uh, what was the show? I already forgot. Magnum. magnum. If it's Magnum, uh, screw this redhead. Come on. I don't, again, don't want to sound controversial. She totally married Harry because she wants more networks to call to give her more work. <laughs> as I said, as soon as this interview happened, and I, you know, again, the royal family is so screwed up, they're kind of fair game to a certain extent. But as far as her work goes as an actress, she's never had ratings like she had for, <laughs> for the part that she played in the Oprah show right. a few weeks ago. And like I said, okay, but we didn't need to see it again at the expense of a new episode of magnum it's you're, wrong you're back to being banned from england don't worry <sighs> i'm just just saying by the way you, you say that so i, I it's true that uh, i mean we all know that uh, everything online spies on us um but since i ditched uh, my at&t cable and got youtube tv it's definitely true you know you know how it just you using regular youtube after a while it sort of gets to know you and suggest yeah. stuff since i've not only had youtube but youtube tv as well uh, the amount of stuff that between those two services it's almost like i can play jedi mind tricks they know me so well <laughs> i could almost like look at my tv and wish in my mind that some sort of old action TV show is going to appear, and it just does, because my YouTube TV started thinking for itself, taping different bits and pieces. And while you were watching the Grammys, and I was like, I can't be bothered with this last night, I was watching reruns of the 1970 show Starsky and Hutch. Wait, Starsky and Hutch, there was something before the Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson movie? I'm not even going to hold that against you. You're 28, you don't know any different. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have never seen any other Starskin Hutch. I like the version with Snoop Dogg in it. Right, yes. Well, there was a TV show, late 70s, uh, that, I, that I watched reruns of when I was a kid in the 80s that is on apparently some TV channel now that, that showed up on my YouTube TV because for a second I was like, oh, Trevor Noah hosting the Grammys, live performances. That Oh! I've got 10 episodes of Starsky and Hutch from 1977. Okay, I'll let Jeremy watch the Grammys and check this out instead. That's all you need. They could do with some... I don't know if you can, like, remaster TV. I'm, I'm sure you can in some way because I have to say that this is, uh, this is how much I love old-school action shows. So... Some network is obviously showing a show from, you know, 40 years ago. Right. The first episode I went to rewatch last night... Because of the way that it's filmed on obviously, you know, to a to a much lesser standard than TV is filmed these days, I couldn't see anything in several scenes. It was like the TV <laughs> show had to be colored in. I thought something was wrong with my it was so bad that I had to skip that episode and go to another one oh, because no. I could, yeah, yeah, that was so if anyone is listening, could could we get I, I'm probably not using the right phrase, but I think we need to remaster Starsky and Hutch. Right. Because it you know like those old Christmas movies from the forties that they've colored in that were black and white? Yeah. Even though Starsky and Hutch was filmed in color, it needs a little bit more technicolor well, added to I'm, it. I'm telling you, they all already did remaster Starsky and Hutch. They replaced Starsky and Hutch with Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller. I'm not... Listen, 
I'm 30 years behind that at the moment with the Starsky and Hushies <laughs> we'll that, I'm, that I'm watching. You know, and also, you know, the other thing was because I had to skip the episode because it wasn't bright enough, so I right. couldn't, couldn't see what was going on on my TV. I went to the next episode, and that was the start of a three-parter. So I literally watched as much Starsky and Hutch as you did Grammys. Three hours there worth. There you go. Right? Yeah. Not only that, because you were watching such an old show, missing one episode didn't even matter. You missed nothing. It was the same show. Right. You weren't lost at all. Right, right. That's still no excuse for Meghan Markle cancelling Magnum. Uh, let's talk about uh, America's first shot bar opening at an airport in Seattle. Is this a great idea? Oh, absolutely. Everyone's been uh, drunk before getting on a plane. That's like uh, American tradition. I would say that um, when I gave up drinking, and again, I, I didn't give it up because I had any kind of uh, drink problem. I lost my voice. I quit drinking for a while when I had no voice and then decided that I wasn't going to start again. And the longer I didn't drink, the longer I decided that, you know, I'd carry on um, not drinking. Um, and it might not be forever. It, it may be. I, I don't know. But um, so I'm, it'll be two, two years in July since I, since I stopped drinking. What, but, you want a chip or something? Like every so often... I'll see friends of mine that did have genuine drink problems posting of the, the chips that they get. And I think to myself, if I'd have done this legitimately, I'd have had a collection by now. <laughs> I'd be really good at this. <laughs> but no, you would have get like, I feel bad saying that. that. That detracts from people that had proper addiction problems. But I do see the amount of chips that you would have got by getting two years into sobriety. And I think... Hmm, that'd be quite the collection if I hadn't made my, uh, you know, hadn't just gone, oh, I just did it by myself. So, I mean, some of them do look pretty cool. I'm just saying, you go to a few meetings, all of a sudden you're the hero. And I mean, you know, I can't, I mean, yeah, they probably would love a, a meeting to hear about the time I spent a week in Tampa and was a member of Iron Maiden. Anyway, um, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, this is his 11th meeting in a row. He keeps telling the same story. <laughs> Anyway, but the thing is, with um, with my not drinking, once I decided, yeah, I'm going to give it up, maybe forever, but but certainly for a while, um, I, I went through the stage of uh, stages of going to places that I used to associate with drinking loads, because I certainly did used to drink a lot, and I had I had a great time doing it. And if you you know whether you're doing it because you need to, because you've seriously got a drinking problem, or in the case of me, you just decided that you know that you're going to stop. Um, you 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 do have situations. There'll be places if you used to drink quite a lot that you know you just associate with getting wasted. And so I I, I went you know I went through this sort of process of going to those places or hanging out with those people just to see if I could carry on you know breaking the habit. Right. And I always say you know that my peak of realizing actually I don't miss drinking was Iron Maiden in Vegas because ordinarily either of those two things on their own would have just been carnage. I'd have drunk the whole time I was there, be it a weekend in Vegas or an Iron Maiden show anywhere, but especially Tampa in Florida. Um, but you put the two together, Iron Maiden in Vegas and I didn't drink a drop of alcohol. That made me think, uh, you know what? I can't think of another scenario, apart from Lemmy coming back from the dead, I can't think of another scenario that would make me want to drink more and the fact that Maiden in Vegas, I was fine with not drinking. I'm just going to stay off the booze for the time being. But one scenario that I haven't tried out is airports because since I stopped drinking, I haven't really spent any great time in airports because, 
you know, uh, it was a few months uh, and then I moved to the great state of Texas and then COVID happened. So, you know, I haven't really traveled. But certainly, um, I mean, for example, I've not been back to the UK since I quit drinking. Right. And the UK is an 11 hour flight getting to the airport way before the flight because you don't want to miss that 11 hour flight, you know, and all that rigmarole. Certainly, therefore, an airport is a scene that I associate with copious amounts of alcohol. And it's one situation I haven't put myself in to see if I can do it sober. There's also that overbearing thing of, I'm going back to Shitsville for a week. I mean, that could make me want to drink. Uh, yeah, I think just that the length of that flight and having to be in England and family, like that would break your streak. You'd be like, Lemmy's dead. I don't care. I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I See, I think everyone needs, you know, everyone has that one time that they got too drunk and then they can't get drunk in that scenario ever again. And that's kind of airports for me. I uh, I had a weekend once. It was a crazy wild Vegas weekend and I did everything. I was wasted. And, you know, when the trip ended and we were all heading to the airport, everyone was tapped out and ready to get on their flights and head home. And apparently I wanted to keep partying. You you turned the Vegas airport into a Vegas club. Yeah. So right? essentially Calvin Harris was DJing in the, in your head. Calvin Harris <laughs> oh, yeah. was DJing in the corner. It was Omni. There were strippers. I was so wasted he might as well have actually been there. I so my flight wasn't for another six hours. So I had plenty of time to keep the party going and by God I did it. Because if you ever get to an airport, the first thing I think is, oh, this is a great place for a party, the yeah. airport. <laughs> well, the Vegas airport, they have that room where you can gamble. And in that room, it was when I was a smoker. So I was chain smoking cigarettes the whole time. I had a drink in my hand. I was having a good time. Finally, at the point of beyond blackout, how they allowed me on the plane is a miracle. I crash and I crash hard. And I get woken up to the ding of the captain making announcement. I'm thinking, Oh my God, I made it. I slept through the whole flight. I'm home. I'm going to be able to go home and sleep. And his message was, uh, the plane is having a bit of an issue. We're going to head back to Vegas. Oh. So then we fly back to Vegas. I'm like, whatever. We'll get off the plane. I'll keep getting drunk. I'll stay another night in Vegas. Who cares? They keep us on the plane for five hours. <laughs> With no air conditioning, oh, with no drinks worst. coming around. And now my part, my weekend extra day has turned into the worst hangover of my life. Let's be honest. Even if they did have air conditioning and that plane was kept at 32 degrees, you'd have probably still been sweating by that point. I couldn't believe I didn't puke all over that plane. It was a miracle. I After that, I realized like, all right. We're on a plane. Something can go wrong. Sure, getting drunk is fun and it makes the travel time a lot easier. But something goes wrong. You're going to be having a bad time. When I when I was drinking and uh, you know pre um, long flights, I used to um, deliberately drink a lot of beer because it would make me sleepy. Because you want to sleep on the plane. Right. I don't know. A shot bar at the airport in Seattle. I mean, that just suggests to me that there's going to be a lot of long lines for those small bathrooms on the plane while, while once it's taken oh, yeah. off. You know, like the <laughs> shots making people sick, you know? I think the next step after the shot bar is just being like, whatever, strip club is no longer outside the airport, it's inside the airport. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, where does it stop? There was one time um, I was... Uh, 
I was celebrating. I'd got a job in the you know the great greatest country on earth, and flying back to Shitsville. Um, and I always used to feel very very um, miserable in an American airport because when I was living in the UK. The airport in America, I obviously always associated with returning to the UK, right? right? So, you know, it would be the last time that I would have super strong Jack Daniels or I'd have a decent amount of ice in my drink or, I, you know, free coffee refills, all of these wonderful things that exist in day-to-day -day life in America that you don't get in the UK. So, um, you know, I'd be behaving like a, an, uh, an inmate on death row about to have his final meal anytime I was having my last few drinks, you know, <laughs> just getting so animated with excitement because if I was ordering a beer, it was coming in a frosted glass at the airport because I knew that as soon as I left that airport, my next beer, which was going to be in the UK, no more frosted glasses until, oh, I, no. until I got back to the UK. It might until even I be got a back flat to the beer. US. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flat, warm, and definitely not, cold, not, not a cold glass. But this... This, this one occasion, I was leaving the States and I'd secured a job in the States. So I was fine that I was flying back to Shitsville because I knew that, you know, pretty soon I'd be returning to um, a proper country with a job and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to celebrate. And they had a deal on for upgrades. And it was, it was a few hundred dollars extra, but I was in such a good mood and it was still so much below the face value price of business class like it was going to cost me a few extra hundred dollars if i could upgrade to business but still be a few like two thousand dollars less than if i'd have bought it outright i right. was like you know what i'm celebrating i'm gonna go for this and so uh, it turned out that it was one of those standby deals whereby you give them your credit card and if there is space, they'll charge the credit card, I don't know, $350 or whatever it is, and you get upgraded. But if there's not, you just have your regular seat. So I get to the airport like super, super early. And um, I do this deal and they say, okay, well, uh, you, you know, the flight isn't for another three hours. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but we'll call out your name if you need to, uh, you know, go to the, the desk to change your ticket or whatever it is right so i go to the bar and i start drinking and i can't hear the 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 notices on the pa system in the departure lounge that well and an hour goes and then about 90 minutes and then i'm thinking okay they haven't mentioned me so i'm not going to be upgraded but still not the end of the world because i've got a job and i'm going to be moving to america pretty soon so i just start hitting the booze like pom, 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 <laughs> as pom, one does pom. And uh, you know that thing where you, if you sit down and drink and you don't get up and move, when you get up and move, suddenly it hits you, you realize how much you've had? Don't I ever. So I am um, I go to pay my, my, my tab because I'm now really drunk, but I realize that um, you know I should move further down to the departure gate, to the actual gate where the airport's going to be. And um, the guy sees my name on my credit card and he goes, oh, you should check because I think they've been calling your name for the last hour on the PA system, <laughs> right? The, the bartender heard right. it when he realized what my name was on my credit card, but I hadn't apparently heard it. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I went, oh, this has got an upgrade. <laughs> so I pay my bill and, um, you know, I'm power walking through the concourse between the bar and the actual departure gate, right. which is where I need to go. And, um, you know, get to the, the desk where the airline staff are standing. And I, and I can sense that they're looking at me a little concerned. And I go, I can't my name! 
same. They said, right this way, Captain. <laughs> well, close. <laughs> so, obviously, because of the way that it works, they had the opening. I'd already given my credit card over three hours before. It had been charged. Therefore, I was going to get the seat and the upgrade because I'd paid an extra 350 bucks for it or right. whatever it was. So there was no going back now because I think, judging on the state of me after three hours of drinking in that bar, the airline staff would have thought if they could have stopped it from happening, there's no way we're sitting this drunk Brit in business class with people that have paid to be there that are respectable <laughs> business people, right? Because right? the thing that you realize if you are fortunate enough to get into business classes, generally it is business people who aren't there for the free booze and food. They are there because they want to be able to sleep as much as possible and do business while on the plane. That's why it's called business class, right? Yeah, they basically looked at you and said, just give him the upgrade. He's going to spend the whole flight in the bathroom. So um, anyway, they escorted me on the plane. Oh, no. Did you get a wheelchair? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's no. the ultimate sign. That would have, <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> you haven't lived till you've been wheelchaired off a plane or two or three. All right, six times. It happened six times. They did say... Mr. Canfield, we're going to, uh, this is uh, so-and-so, they're going to escort you to your seats. And at that point, I was like, oh, God, I look. And, of course, I could feel the glaring eyes on me from, again, all of the business people that are on their laptops because they want to be there doing business. And I just get there. And this is the, this is the flight where I, I, I got into the, into the, you know, the sort of partitioned off area that you have for business class and the first thing in my drunken state that I realize and start playing with it like it's a toy is that they've got those the the divider things that go up and down between right. you and the person next to you. I've never been in business class before, so I, I've never been able to basically shut out the person next to me. So I'm just sitting in the seat drunkenly pressing the button going, up, down, up, down. Just uh, playing the worst game of peekaboo. <laughs> literally. And... Um, and then, you know, there's a menu and it's all for free. And I'm thinking, I don't know whether I should be taking full advantage of all of the food and drink that I can possibly have or the fact that there's a somewhat bed-like situation with the, the seating because, again, I, I've never had that before. So um, in, I, I had a, a moment of somewhat sobriety where I thought I was making a very sensible decision about how I was going to spend the next 10 hours on the plane. And when the man came through with the, you know, the latest uh, bunch of wonderful free stuff, I said to him, I'm going I'm to have two of them <laughs> and then I'm going to have a sleep. But if you come through with anything really good, wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> And this, <laughs> and I think I had like another drink. Of course. Two of whatever he was coming th through with like, I don't know, smoked salmon or something like that. Told him to wake me up in case he brought anything fabulous. I think that was, that was my wording. If anything's really fabulous, can you wake <laughs> me up? And then obviously like was comatose for most of the 10 hours. Woke up, um not realizing that we were uh, right near the end of the flight. I think probably sub subconsciously the, the, the captain making his announcement maybe, maybe woke me, but I, I don't remember that bit. But I woke up and, I, you know, we're like 10 hours into the future at this point. I think that we're still, you know, probably an hour into the flight. And I see the guy coming through the cabin again. 
So I sit up and I'm, I, don't, I don't think I said anything, but I must have just looked very expectantly of like, oh my God, there's more fabulous stuff coming. <laughs> and the guy just looked at me and he said, sir, there's no more. <laughs> you've, you've had everything, sir. Go back to bed. <laughs> that was the story of my upgrade. So anyway, I don't know whether that story suggests that a shot bar in an airport is a good or bad thing. You can draw your own conclusions, I guess. I can only assume that it's in the Spirit Airlines terminal. <laughs> All right, we're done. Uh, don't forget, if you want to uh, talk to the show, you can. You can actually talk to the show. If you want to be on the show, you can leave us a voice message at the website. Uh, just click be on the show, then talk at your listening device and uh, your listening device will record your wonderful voice and send your message to us. If you uh, don't want to hear yourself on the show, but you do have uh, any messages to impart, you can uh, just type us a message as well. Plus, check out old episodes, all of your correspondence welcome, all previous episodes available to stream if you go to didyouamerica.com. That's also where you can vote for Song of the Week or go to the poll, which is on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Canfield on Twitter. And on the website, you can buy a Did You America t-shirt. How lovely are these t-shirts, Jeremy? Oh, they feel so good on your nipples. Didyouamerica.com for all that stuff. We'll be back later in the week. Did we America today? We always do.